Hello and welcome to the Performance Cycling Podcast. I'm Jason Hammond. I'm here with Todd Norwood. Todd, how's it going? Going well today, Jason. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. What are we, uh, what are we talking about? So we're going to talk about probiotics in part because I want to talk about the microbiome, but the microbiome is a massive topic and there's a lot of active research and probiotics are like a small chunk of that that is, is a terrible pun, digestible in a single episode. Oh, geez, that hurt. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't help it. It was just right there. Uh, so if you're not familiar with these things, just for a little bit of background, uh, maybe you know this, Jason, but there are many bacteria living in your digestive tract. <gasps> and well, also like in... Um all over our body also and, like yeah in and out really yeah in your skin so on and so but for today's purposes in your digestive tract and that includes uh like one thing we i think a lot of us forget is like our mouth is part of our, our digestive tract correct mm -hmm. that's the the very beginning and so there's bacteria all the way through it correct probably not in the that's stomach right. yeah the stomach's pretty acidic but probiotics somehow or another make it through the stomachs, uh, acid, and then into the intestines where they can exist. So anyhow, the microbiome is a reference to all of these trillions and trillions of little bacteria that are basically living in a symbiotic relationship with you and helping you with your digestion and your health. So probiotics are bacteria that we ingest and they're gonna have a beneficial effect on our health. That's how they're defined. And you find these things in everyday foods. So if you eat yogurt, you consume probiotics or kefir, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, these sorts of foods all have some of these bacteria, these beneficial bacteria in them that are going to aid your gut in one way or another. And on the highest level, there's a ton of different benefits that are claimed for probiotics. So these things can include, I think the obvious one, improvements in gastrointestinal tract function, if this makes sense. Improvements in immune function, they may help with uh, high blood lipid count. So the fats, the fat concentration in your blood, uh, they may help with high blood pressure. They may help with allergic conditions. Uh, they may also help with alleviating inflammation, lowering cholesterol. Uh, they may address the brain. We'll get to that a little bit later. That's, you know, um, certainly they may help with digestive issues. So like diarrhea, certainly there's good research there. Uh, it may help with eczema, which is like surprising to me, irritable bowel syndrome, that one makes sense. Uh, there is some claims that they may help with some cancers as well in terms of pr protection against cancers, not necessarily curing cancer. So just to get an idea of how wide, and these are from review papers of other peer-reviewed studies. So it's a pretty broad net when we talk about probiotics. And so the idea is that if you have, all of these benefits occur when you have the right balance of a microbiome, is that correct? Right, I think that's the other key point is, so it's, the so the microbiome, at least in an adult, science says, is generally pretty stable. So if you say, okay, what's in my gut is in my gut, that's fairly stable. But the factors that may influence it are 
your diet. So if you have more or less fiber, that may change the type of, or more or less fat, that may change the type of bacteria that are uh, more likely to proliferate. Uh, if you had antibiotics recently, that's gonna kill off some bacteria. If, of course, if you ingest probiotics, that's what we're gonna talk about today. And actually if you exercise more or less, that will influence the population of the microbiome. And actually, um, thinking back to the most recent episode on a ketogenic diet, uh, we talked about how the sugar, like very simple sugar, is absorbed right at the top of the intestines. Um, I did read about one uh, study where they showed that when sugar isn't absorbed in that portion of the small intestine, it continues further down and uh, the bacteria eat that sugar and that can actually cause um, gastrointestinal distress, uh, stomach aches, and it can also cause the proliferation of the wrong type of bacteria in your gut. Um, and so there's some studies on that and um, you know, that might be why you are getting stomach cramps after having a gel if uh, you didn't absorb it properly. That's right. If you're having too much sugar, uh, sometimes the, it gets in those bacteria that aren't the most favorable ones do proliferate and uh, that's not ideal. So the generally speaking, and we'll get to this a little later, is the bacteria that we want, the bacteria that are tend to be beneficial for us, tend to like fiber as their fuel. That's their preferred uh, energy source is to have fiber as opposed to sugar. So just keep that in mind with your diet. Is, hey, am I having stomach issues? Did I have a sufficient amount of fiber? Uh, and that may be a factor there. But let's get into the, the part about sports, right? And that's what we wanna talk about is, so if I eat more yogurt, am I gonna ride my bike faster? Um, maybe if it has enough protein and you weren't getting that protein in your diet, is that, is that the right answer, Todd? That's not what I was going for today. That's totally a valid one. And it has calcium and it has maybe some carbs in it, depending. Uh, no, but I was actually thinking in terms of probiotics, right? If you're lacking certain probiotics, what might this do in terms of your athletic performance? I made a whole laundry list of health-related benefits, but what about sport-related benefits? Well, I would, sorry to interrupt, Todd. I would argue that health benefits and athletic performance benefits, sometimes they, they sort of overlap and they're maybe the same thing. And we have this philosophy that if your body's functioning well, you can perform better. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are athletic benefits, but uh, maybe there's some specific research or specific uh, studies on uh, the benefits for athletes. Yeah, I think there's probably two categories. Generally, if you're exercising pretty regularly, your cholesterol is probably okay. So you don't necessarily need that benefit from taking a probiotic or said differently, you wouldn't take the probiotic to help you out with your cholesterol. Sure. But you might want it to do something else for you, or you might hope that it does something else for you. So there's one more recent review that I looked at, just came out and said very simply, scientific evidence of an ergogenic effect for probiotics is lacking. However, they may provide athletes with secondary health benefits, which may positively affect athletic performance through improved recovery from fatigue, improved immune function, and generally maintenance of a healthy GI tract. But don't worry, we're not, we're not gonna throw it out just yet. So those are, those are like the very high level findings is, well, this may not necessarily make you ride faster, but, and here's, here's the but, we'll start down the, uh, the athletic pathway. 
which is to say there's a, a study done that looked at runners and they looked at a very interesting condition. They looked at running in heat. So they used 35 degrees Celsius, which is about 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, they had 45% humidity. So not crazy, but not super dry either. Um, and they were looking at a time to exhaustion at 80% of their ventilatory threshold. So that's their, that's their setup. And then they did, a, it was a crossover study. So first half did the intervention and they flip-flopped. So 10 people, not huge. And they did four weeks of supplementation with a uh, probiotic capsule, which contained 45 billion of the bacteria per pill. So just so you understand, there are so many of these little bacteria in your intestinal system that you can pack 45 billion into a pill. And that's, you know, that's the amount that you need to change something or try to observe a change in a study. And so do you know uh, the total weight of the bacteria? Like, I want to say that we have like 10 pounds of bacteria or something. Gosh, oh, not offhand. That's a great, that's a great question though. Um, especially if you count in and out, right? It's yeah, a all bacteria. substantial amount of bacteria. Yeah. You are, you are covered in bacteria, both inside and out. Just, it just is. And so how did the athletes perform in, in the heat? So interestingly, they increased their time to exhaustion by 10%. Now, you can argue whether or not time to exhaustion is the best metric for athletic performance. Harder to do running power, but it is it is what it is, right? Like maybe they were just tired of running on the treadmill in the heat, and they decided to quit. And that day they felt more motivated. Can't say, but they did. They were ten percent better. It was statistically significant across the trial, so we'll take it for what it what it is. And their conclusion: there are other papers that talk about this, so I'm just gonna talk about on the very surface level, because I think that could be a whole nother exploration of what's happening there and why are, why are these things working? Um, but there's the punchline was, well, gastrointestinal permeability seems to be the factor determining heat performance. So again, there's so many papers in this, but when you exercise in the heat, it seems like the membrane of the GI tract breaks down a little bit and that releases uh, effectively toxic chemicals into the circulation or makes them more likely to be released in the circulation. And it seems like having the probiotics on board provided some resistance. It, it made the leakage less likely. Um, and then that allowed you to perform better and longer in a warm environment. Well, that's so interesting. So first, um, 10% time to exhaustion at 85% threshold, that's pretty hard. That's like just under sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And um, I know time to exhaustion is, is a very easy test to do. And it's generally also not that great of a test because um, you're never going to really do time to exhaustion in a competition. But I want to say they have these conversions to like, for example, how much faster you'd be in a 40K time trial if you did a time to exhaustion test. Yeah. And I want to say it's like two or 3% uh, if you turn the 10% time to exhaustion into a, a 40K time trial time. 
And so that's non-trivial. And to think the intervention is simply uh, taking uh, one or two capsules a day. And for a month, this is not a, an extensive trial. It actually wouldn't be terribly expensive to do either uh, to get high quality probiotics like that for a, a month's intervention. And I think the other interesting point there is you can tell it's a complicated interaction between the gut microbiome and athletic performance of like the way you explained it protects the the gut uh, permeability and the breakdown of the uh, gut lining and um, I guess I can see why it may be difficult to quantify these benefits because um, you know there there is this pathway to finding the benefit for athletics. I think that's exactly it, is we can say, okay, cholesterol is very easy to measure, for example, right? Again, finding the pathway might be more challenging, but it's very easy to measure cholesterol and see if it changed or not. There's so many factors in sports performance, like what did that bacteria do that somehow protected the gut that then makes me run longer in the heat? I think that's the other piece is, so this is great, but it's only going to give you this benefit if you're exercising the heat. Well, it makes you a more robust athlete as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the things we talk about, sauna stuff, or um, which is also heat related, uh, even like explosive power stuff, all these different um, items, they can make you a more robust athlete, which means maybe you don't break down as easily, which again means you can train harder, you can uh, get more stimulus to then be stronger. And so but it is, again, still like a secondary benefit. We're back to still sort of being like a healthy human or a high functioning human in order to see these performance benefits. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert a little bit before we come back to the study that has the cyclists in it. Because, of course, that's what we all want to know about is, well, what happens with the cyclists, right? Runners are, are fine, but what happens with cyclists? Because that's going to be more relevant to us, at least theoretically. So they're closer population. So little little detour, just talk about a couple other things that, uh, again, are side benefits potentially of these changes in our microbiome. So one is that um, athletes and active individuals tend to have a more diverse microbiome than sedentary individuals. So just like log that away somewhere. Okay, more, more bacteria happening in your gut. Than, uh, than a sedentary individual. In addition, you may, you may or may not be familiar, but I'm going to have to say this because it's in the name of science, but for uh, particularly for some conditions, what they'll do medically is what's called a fecal transfer to basically change up somebody's microbiome in a hurry. You take it from a, a fecal, fecal matter from a healthy person and then you take out the bacteria and then give that to someone who's ill and try to basically jumpstart their microbiome. So sounds disgusting, but it actually there's good science and good evidence is a very effective technique, um, especially for like, if you have a particular strain of bacteria, it's causing really bad diarrhea. This technique works very well and it's been researched quite, uh, quite heavily. So there's that way to do things. So interestingly, this other group took that and said, well, what happens if we do this and we take the fecal matter of athletic individuals, which we know has this greater diversity and they didn't use people, they used mice. Um, and they also did running. 
And so they took the, the microbiome from a marathon runner, they took that bacteria and then transferred it to a mouse. And they observed that the mice had a 13% improvement in their time to exhaustion on their treadmill running. All right, uh, let me get uh, Pogacar's, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me see the last, uh, the last porta potty that guy used. There, there you go. All right. Well, I mean, like, it seems like a bike race isn't, it's a great opportunity if you, you know, mark the, each category, like who had to use which porta potty, you'd get some answers there. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm sure you'd have to control it a bit better, but it does bring up uh, an interesting idea. And I think the underlying idea here is that if you lose a species completely or, you know, a, a species of bacteria, you can't really get that back. Uh, because right. they all died out. And uh, so if an athlete has the, has a greater um, species variety, um, maybe some of those species are helping in a certain way for your body. And so kickstarting it through a fecal transplant or through uh, maybe just these micro or probiotic capsules uh, could then repopulate those species. And um, yeah, you get more benefit from the larger variety of bacteria that are working to uh, improve your body. So now other side study, but also I think important when we talk about how many things this microbiome touches on. Uh, this particular study looked at two different strains that they were, or combined strains that they were using for athletes. And with both strains, what they ended up finding was that they decreased symptoms of depression in um, college athletes. So not only does it affect our performance, not only does it affect our blood chemistry, this may also affect our mind in one way or another. And who knows how those things are linked? Uh, there's many ways to work out, right? Hey, is it related to overtraining syndrome? Is it related to, I recovered better, so I was in a better mood. There may be a lot of factors at play there but just take that for what it is say this isn't just affecting our physical it's also affecting our uh, our mental state as well yeah that's interesting there is definitely a noted uh, correlation between cyclists and higher rates of depression and like you said that could be overtraining it could be under fueling it could be a lot of things but we also certainly know that when you're feeling good and confident and strong and happy you, you can do more work and if you've ever gone out training when you're feeling a bit down on the day, the chances of finishing the workout are incredibly low. And that's how I see the, the depression symptoms or the decrease in depression symptoms connecting into to an athlete's uh, diet or the idea of using probiotics to improve your athletic capacity. All right. So now this is what you've been waiting for. The study looked at cyclists. And so this paper's title is Community Characteristics of the Gut Microbiomes of Competitive Cyclists. Straightforward, simple, gets to the point. Uh, and I believe it's a 2017 paper. So they found a lot of interesting things when they looked at this. And the thing that I love most about this paper is that they didn't just go through and number their subjects one, two, all the way through I believe they had 33 individuals. They actually named them after bike components or bike brands. So there's like Trek and 
specialized and speed play and so on and so on. They had like 33 different bike brands or how they identified their subjects in this paper. Okay. All right, these, these people, these people are legit. They clearly must ride themselves. If they didn't, they would have just put one through 33 and been done with it. Well, and we've talked about this before. How did that, uh, how did that fare with the peer review process where they, you know, ah, it's okay. I guess they let that one through. Uh, it made it to the final, final print. So yeah, it's interesting. I, if I was peer reviewing this, I would say naming convention is inappropriate for, for our research needs. Who, who are, who are these jokers? Yeah. Uh, so they actually had some really high level cyclists. They had 22 professional cyclists and 30 and 11 cat ones for their 33. Okay. That's good. And also 33 in the first place is that's an awesome right? number. That's right. And so now, this ahead. wasn't interventional. This is observational. So you got to take it for what it is. Right? Well, it's, it's probably easier to get 33 people to observe than it is 33 people to experiment with. That was actually exactly what I was going to say, which is the, the protocol must not be too demanding because normally if you get a professional athlete in front of you and you say, oh, we want you to do you know this training intervention for four weeks, they go, uh, no thanks. I probably should ask someone else. Yeah, so yay. So now we may not know what happens if you have pro cyclists or cat one cyclists supplement with probiotics, but we do know what bacteria they have running around in their GI tract. And there's some interesting differences. So one, there's one bacteria that's named uh, Previtella, and they noticed that this one correlates with the amount of exercise you do every week on average. It's, so the more exercise you do, the more likely that this one is to be in your gut. Okay, not so, only more likely, but more prevalent, right? So there's yep. more of it if you're more active. And so it, that's, but this is sort of a chicken and egg issue of does the exercise cause the proliferation of this bacteria or does the kind of the proliferation of the bacteria, you know, how does poor performance fit into this? So let me tell you what it does. And then we can see if we can at least start to work back where, why it may be more prevalent. And I think it's probably goes a little bit both ways, a little bit of each. Um, so one, it's, you're going to, you're going to love this. It's correlated positively with diets that are high in carbohydrates. Mm. It's associated with amino acid and carbohydrate metabolism pathways. Okay. The carbohydrate part makes sense. Uh, and it's also does some metabolism of branch chain amino acids. So it's good at giving us energy or helping us with our energy needs. There's a second uh, bacteria in there. I'm not even gonna try to say the name. No, I am, because now that I said it, I have to try to say it. Um, it's Methanobrevibacter. I think that was pretty good. It sounds smooth, right? Uh, it's, one, it's a really long word here on my screen. Um, and so here's the fascinating thing about that particular one. So I said there's 22 professional cyclists. They found this particular bacteria in 15 of the 22 professional cyclists. Okay, it's pretty good, like three out of four basically. It was only present in one out of the 11 cat one cyclists. Whoa, we need to get our hands on this bacteria. Right, like what, what's going on there? That's, maybe that's just the answer. If we all just had this bacteria, we'd be pros. Well, if we were cat ones first, but, um, 
you know. Well, look, I'm investigating this fully. I'm very interested in the next the next you're, steps. You're, you're you're digging in, um, and so again, similarly, it's associated with high carbohydrate diet. So you're you're on board with this, Jason. Mm-hmm. Eat more eat more carbs. Maybe you'll get more of this bacteria. Um, and so it it works to ferment um, complex polysaccharides, so long chain sugars. Um, and it apparently like they're, they're suggesting that its role may, may be actually to make us more energy efficient. Like it's the, the presence of that may actually make us more energy efficient based on what they believe it does. Well, and that's interesting and connecting back to the cat ones versus the pros. One thing that really stuck with me about the difference between a cat one and a pro, a cat one and a pro, uh, they can do similar power numbers. The threshold values aren't that different. It's just when you do a group ride or a training race with a pro, the experience has always been they can do it over and over and over again. So they hit that climb. They can't hit that climb harder than you. But they can hit that climb five times in a row and you're toast and they're still going. Yeah, and it's interesting because they're talking about improving energy in the gut. So this isn't even about improving energy at your legs or how efficiently your heart's pumping. This is marginal gains here, I would argue. They're talking about your gut being more efficient, which is obviously important. You need to get water and carbohydrates out of your gut into your bloodstream. But it's interesting to think that potentially, if their hypothesis from this paper is accurate, that this particular bacteria makes your gut more efficient, and then that may yield a performance benefit. And so I don't want to jump ahead, but how does one you know, get more of this bacteria? Is it just, I train a lot, I eat a lot of polysaccharides, and the, the bacteria proliferates? Or... Are there actual steps to, you know, is it complicated or is, or is it simple? Like it, it's just a result. So that's interesting. Cause I, I actually don't know the answer to that. And when you look at the probiotic supplements, there's a handful of major strains that you see out there. This is not one of them. I can tell you that much. Uh, there's that one. And there's another one that's called, um, let me find the name here, Ackermansia. And this is another one that they have observed it in cyclists a lot. Uh, so in this particular study, they found it in 30, 30 out of the 33 riders. Uh, and it's related to how frequently you exercise. But they also find it way more in people who are lean than people who are obese. Like people who are obese, so they just don't have this bacteria in their gut. Compared, whereas people that you know, people that are leading active exercisers tend to almost always have this particular bacteria in the gut. So it's a chicken or egg problem. But this is not one that you can just go out and buy. And so I'm just going to buy this one off the shelf. Mm, I think we're back to the uh, professional cyclist porta potty solution. Uh, yeah, I might. Well, you. This is totally off topic, but it's a similar approach to the world. So. In Yosemite, early on, they were trying to figure out if they had a COVID issue. And to work that out, they actually sampled the sewage and then sent off to a lab and analyzed it and then found 
evidence of COVID and then based on the prevalence worked out how many people they thought had been through the park who had COVID. Wow, that's fascinating. So presumably, I don't know how robust these bacteria are what relative to COVID, but theoretically, yes, you could you know, sift through the porta potty and work out what bacteria are sitting around there, do a genome sequence or something. Mm. So have they, uh, are there other bacteria that were in the study? So those are the three main ones they talked about um, in terms of what you were seeing and, and the differences, right? I think the big, so the one, okay, is very much correlated. They're all correlated to a certain extent with how much you exercised, but the, this one particular one with the long name, the methanobrevibacter, that was the one that was like big night and day difference between the professional cyclists and the cat one cyclists. Hmm. It's, it's wild to me that only one of the cat one cyclists out of 11 had it compared to 15 of the 22 professionals. Yeah. So are there any tips on like what we can do or is there any information about, like we said, if you don't have a species either make it. Yeah. It, I mean, so, okay. It one, can be in low enough proportions that they can't detect say, it. Yep. One, one, that is one hypothesis, right? That it is just so low, it was undetectable in the cat ones, which is still important, right? I mean, that's potentially an important difference, but then, the, then it's a different question we would ask. So um, in terms of like maybe our diet, like I'm wondering if like eating raw vegetables uh, can introduce some new bacteria, um, thinking about like bacteria that's in the ground or... Um, you know, what sure. are our options for getting these uh, bacteria in our gut if we don't have them currently? So there's where we started, which is with probiotics. So there are certain ones that are in food. Uh, so your yogurts and such that are going to be beneficial, but those are going to be more beneficial in the terms of performance in the heat because it's protecting your gut. Or maybe it helps with depression or maybe it helps with your immune system, your recovery, any number of things that we know about those probiotics. In terms of these particular bacteria, which we are seeing in this study seem to correlate with high performance, this is not something where, at least today, you're gonna go to a, a drugstore or pharmacy or somewhere and pick up a bottle of these uh, bacteria and ingest them. Now, the things that they are correlated with are, we said high, that's their high in complex carbs. Well, we should be doing that if we're cyclists. It does make you wonder if there is some amount. It would be interesting, and I didn't see it in the study, but to see if a breakdown is it that the cow ones are eating 65% carbs and the pros are at 70%, and that would make a difference. They also commented, as I said earlier, high amount of dietary fiber. Uh, particularly from fruits and vegetables to your point, Jason. So making sure that you're not only getting your complex carbs from your rice or your pasta, but that you're also making sure you have adequate fiber um, from fruits and vegetables in your diet. That may help because that is one of the fuels that these particular bacteria like. And actually generally all the good bacteria tend to like dietary fiber. 
Yeah, it makes me wonder if maybe the Cat 1's uh, diets weren't as optimized as the professional athletes. I know uh, this may include myself in this cohort. I know some Cat 1's who don't have the best diet at times. And uh, maybe the professionals are the ones who are taking the time to really nail down the complex carb consumption. And uh, if you do have these high dietary demands, it, it's very easy to lean on sugar, simple sugars, to get your numbers in, especially if um, you struggle to eat enough vegetables and pasta. You could uh, find yourself drinking um, sugary drinks or something like that to meet your energy demands. And I wonder if the pros have taken the time to optimize to the point of having more complex carbs and the cat ones haven't. I think that's very a very reasonable hypothesis. The other things that they say are correlated with this are, they say, quote, egg food items, which I imagine just means eggs. There's eggs in a lot of things, but I think they're trying to say, not talking about the egg that's in your pancake, but actually the egg itself. I'd, I'd actually love to know now do I have to boil it or scramble it or well, so they like, said, ro like Rocky and, and does it, does it matter if it's a chicken or can it come from something else? So many questions now mm. about eggs. Well, so the more eggs you ate, the better. Is that what they were saying? Uh, not necessarily more. They're saying it was related to having eggs as a eggs in your diet. Well, is it better to have eggs or? Yes. Okay. So they didn't say specifically because it, now they cited another study on that one. So we could probably dig into that and see if they talked about a quantity of eggs that made it more likely. And the other part, the other part they say, I think follows from the prior part about fruits and vegetables, which is a diet that is high in vitamins and minerals. So if you eat your fruits and vegetables, by definition, you've you've usually got there. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think of that, this idea that maybe we eat our micronutrients in order to fuel the tiny microbiome as opposed to our own muscles, as if that's like a secondary benefit. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, it sounds like we're getting back to, well, we should probably eat a cyclist diet and do it well. So we need to consume a high number of kilocalories every day because we spend a lot of energy to make up for what we did while we were exercising. We need to have complex carbohydrates as opposed to simple carbohydrates. We need to make sure we have some fiber from fruits and vegetables, and that should get us to the you know, high content of vitamins and minerals. What's interestingly missing from that is, other than the eggs, any mention of protein. Mm, the only thing they mentioned about protein was the one uh, bacteria broke down branch chain amino acids. Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't say this at the time, but um, it could be related to your ability to recover. If you can break down a branch chain amino acids better, you may be able to absorb them into your body, get them to your muscles to have muscle regrowth after uh, the breakdown of the muscles in your last workout. And other than that, though, yeah, they don't seem to think that um, your protein intake is related to your microbiome. Which is interesting because if you are eating a high carbohydrate diet, obviously you do need some protein for normal function, but you're not rel relatively, you're getting so much more uh, volume through the system in terms of carbohydrates and fiber. So maybe the protein is necessary, but it's not the piece that 
shifts anything unless there's too much protein, the, the, unless the protein or fat for that matter is displacing those complex carbohydrates and fiber. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to make this point again with regards to protein. We're talking about four ounces, like the size of a deck of cards worth of protein per meal. In ter- is in, is that's kind of the amount you need. And if you do have issues eating enough complex carbs, it could be because you get full from protein or fatty protein. Um, it's protein's known to uh, reduce your or improve your satiety. So that could be part of the problem. And, and that it's interesting because if you can reduce your protein levels and maintain your recovery, you have more space in your diet for these complex carbs and vegetables. And that, I think that shift would be beneficial to a lot of cyclists. Especially ones living in the US. Because our, I think our concept of a serving of protein does not resemble a deck of cards in most places. Yeah, and that absolutely permeates to your own home cooking as well. Yep, yeah, your perception is not, is not reality. Is not, that is not a deck of cards that you're looking at. And what, what the grocery store sold you is not a deck of cards. It's to be cut a couple of times. All right, Todd, um, do you have any other studies or is that, uh, is that it for the episode? I do not have, well, I do not have any other studies I'm going to talk about today. There are so many other studies about this topic. We could be here until the end of time almost to discuss them because there's a there is a lot going on in terms of the microbiome and really this is a it's like going in the side door kind of like cracking the side door open and talking about probiotics as a way to discuss the microbiome i think to do it justice and i think to do honestly i think to do it justice we probably owe you at some point an episode about how do the probiotics help my heat performance? Because there's definitely more there. Like that's a whole area of research. And of course, what it, what is this thing? And what what are all the things that it influences in terms of my health? Uh, just as as a whole, which we didn't really get into. Uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot out there about it. There's a lot that it's a really active area of research. There's a lot that's being learned as we go. And so I think. If you're really excited about it, pop in microbiome and sport on Google Scholar and you will be you know, up to your eyeballs in research papers and, and beyond. So for today, that's all I've got, but uh, there is plenty, plenty more out there if this is something that interested you. And look, I think the simple thing to leave you with is if you don't eat yogurt or fermented foods like sauerkraut or kefir or kimchi or what have you, it's a pretty easy experiment to add into your diet. That's a pretty straightforward thing to do. Or you can just pop a pill of micro um, uh, probiotics as well. And at least when the summer rolls around, know that you'll get some benefits of your riding in the heat. The only things I have is all the studies that we talked about today will be in the show notes. And actually one last thing I thought about with the microbiome is There are actually some researchers who kind of think of the digestive tract as being outside of the body Uh, and Mm -hmm. in sort of like we never like all all these um, bacteria that are in our in our intestines are actually on the outside of our body and then we absorb we have permeable um, tissue that is our intestines that then brings the nutrients in and it's kind of a weird way to think about it, but um, it can sort of give you a, a different perspective on how the uh, microbiome fits into uh, 
it's into our body. I did a pun too, Todd. I'm sorry. Well, it was your turn, so it was it was also equally painful. If you if you enjoyed this and we have your you're interested in the the gut and the microbiome, then I think we've done our job today. And like I said, we'll there's more there is so much more to read about this, and we'll include the notes and the papers here in the show notes. So if you want to get a, a start on it, uh, you can. As we always say, if you do enjoy listening to us, please give us a like, share it with a friend, a colleague, a fellow writer, who, whoever. Uh, we'd love to, we'd love to do these, we'd love to do the research and love to be able to reach more people. So if you have the opportunity to do that and help with that, that would be great. Um, and we do like honest feedback too. So if you have that for us, we'll certainly take that. Or if you have a topic that you'd like us to research and discuss, uh, send it send it along, and we will be more than happy to jump in and see if we can pull something together to answer your burning questions. All right, and that's all we have for today. I get to do the outro this time. Uh, as Todd always says, keep the rubber side down. <laughs>